Welcome to Grand Central Radio, the Grandparents Community Platform. I'm your host, Jerry Cole. This is a talk, listen, and act show for grandparents and future grandparents everywhere. My adult child, that child's spouse and in-laws, and my two young grandchildren give me lots of questions and concerns. Like you, I want to be as effective for my grandkids and their parents as possible. To achieve these goals, I also want to stay physically and mentally fit and have fun. We can help each other by sharing our challenges and ideas about grandparenting and our lives as grandparents. You can replay our shows, find stories and songs to hear or read aloud, lists including the ultimate grandparents emergency babysitting checklist and sitter's memorandum form, and a list of movies about grandparents' relationships, and other materials curated especially for grandparents. And contact me, Jerry Cole, on our secure website, grandcentralradio.com, or at jerry.cole at grandcentralradio.com. If you would like to participate in the recording of one or more of our future podcast episodes, or if you suggest a possible sponsor of our shows or website, please email our show's producer at info at grandcentralradio.com. We appreciate art, we love nature, and we want to pass on that appreciation and love and share them with our grandchildren. Our discussion topic today is Introducing Grandchildren to Nature Through Art and to Art Through Nature with our special guest, Kristen Reiber Harris, an artist, animator, educator, and creator of short animated documentaries about the natural world and her transition from rural Virginia to Brooklyn in New York City and three coloring books celebrating the flora and parks of New York City. She produced educational media for 34 years, including series for HBO Family, HBO Latino, PBS, and the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. She taught art in college and developed workshops teaching children in grades K through 12 to animate their own experiences in the natural world. A devoted grandma, she is committed to visual storytelling about that world, both static and animated, and to encouraging careful observation of nature and our connection with all life. You will hear on this podcast Kristen's personal views on this topic. Those views do not constitute the views of any of her publishers, sponsors, syndicators, or affiliates, or any legal, medical, mental health, or other advice by her, me, or Grand Central Radio. We urge all listeners to discuss with their legal, medical, mental health, and other advisors and counselors their particular concerns and difficulties that might require professional intervention. Kristen, thank you for joining us on Grand Central Radio. Well, hello, everyone. I I really appreciate this opportunity to talk about three things, three aspects of my life that have been very important to me for over 50 years, and to think about that intersection in a way that I wouldn't if I weren't having this conversation with you. And those three are kids and kids in education, art, and the natural world. And I've been very fortunate to be a teaching artist for 50 years on looking forward to this conversation. 
Well, that's wonderful. You you have a degree in fine art from the University of California in Los Angeles and a master's in fine art from George Washington University. When, where, and why did you discover your connections to art and nature and link them to one another? Well, you know, it's interesting when I saw your question because I realized that for me, nature was first. I was incredibly lucky to grow up on an old farm in Northern Virginia and have 20 acres of fields and woods and trees to wander. And so as a young child, I was hooked. In fact, I was very entertained recently when I saw in my baby book that my mom said as a toddler, I would just go stand at the front door, like, get me out of here. (laughs) You know, I want to be out there. So that was really the first it was having an opportunity to really roll in the grass and climb trees as a kid. I went to UCLA to study Latin American studies. I did not go to study art. And while I was there, this is in the late 60s. And while I was there, I realized that, to put it sort of bluntly, if I was going to stay in college, I was going to do something that I really cared about in a different way. And that was art because I'm not a scholar. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a creative and I make things. So the, the art connection came as a college student. And my subject matter literally for the past 50 years has been probably 90% plants and flowers and aspects of the natural world that engage me physically and visually. My dad had a big garden and my mom was a gardener. So appreciating the natural world was something that I grew up with. And as an artist, as a student, obviously, you're being directed in what you're doing. But I realized that what I was seeing, what was stimulating me visually, were aspects of the natural world. So they really happened simultaneously. There wasn't a shift from one to the other. The, because the nature was first, when the art was evolving, it, was an, it naturally became the subject matter. I understand that. How did you develop and how do you maintain your knowledge and experience in educating children about art and nature? Well. Again, I was, I was, even as a college student, I worked in a daycare center. So my, I love children. And on a good day, I say my mental age is five because I have the greatest respect for five-year-olds. So I have been working with children for a very, very long time. And when my kids were little, I'd volunteer in the in their classrooms. And one of the things I do would, you know, we'd go in and read a book because I like the idea of reading too. And then we do an art project related to that. So I've just been working with kids for 50 years. And of course, as we all know, we learn by doing and doing more and more and more. Right. Now, with all that experience you've had working with kids in the art and nature setting, what have you found to be the challenges to teachers, parents, and grandparents in talking about art and nature with children from toddler through high school? And how do those challenges vary depending upon the ages of the children? Well, I prefer to not see challenges, but to see opportunities. And I think possibly critical is that you are showing your own appreciation appreciation and respect for the natural world. So if you don't have that, it's kind of hard to pretend, just as it is with art. And I think uh, uh, hopefully we all are 
deeply in love with our Mother Earth, and we want to share that, and it's not something that's hard for us to do. And of course, it is very age. I mean, a three-year-old, my grandson's three, he's not like every other three-year-old or just like a teenager isn't like every other teenager, but we trust our judgment on what's appropriate as we're interacting with our grandchildren or with anybody's children as to what's appropriate and what they can respond to. And now with my three-year-old grandson, like walking him home yesterday, you know, the 15 blocks or however long it was I take him in the stroller to walk home is where it's very windy and we're looking at the trees and what the, what the wind is doing in the trees and just being as aware of the environment as it, as it is reflected in natural objects as, the pro, as opposed to con, uh, concrete and fire trucks and other things that he's interested in, too. Well, this ties nicely, actually, into some discussions we had in our last podcast episode about environmental literacy, uh, especially with very young children and starting with introducing them to nature and doing exactly what you've just suggested that grandparents do with their young children and young grandchildren uh, in the context of exposing them to nature and the beauty of nature that makes it artistic. Now, how do you suggest, other than those kinds of activities, that grandparents discuss art and nature with their grandchildren generally, and what art and nature-related projects can grandparents engage in with their grandchildren? How do these discussions and projects vary depending upon where and with whom the grandchildren live? There's thousands of things that can be done, but of course, my sort of the bedrock and the foundation for me of all of this is drawing, and drawing is something that can be done by a one-year-old with crayons on on paper from the recycling bin. So the materials are readily accessible. And in terms of drawing, you can be drawing inside and telling a story about something that you did outside. You can be outside at the park doing drawings while you're there at what you're looking at. One of the things that I really like doing is I just started a nature notebook, my grandson. And what I've done in that is I have taped in leaves on one side, and on the other side, I have an outline of that leaf and the name of the leaf. And so when he goes into it in colors, because he's three, he's certainly not paying anything, any attention to anything except making marks on the paper. But I think the idea of a nature notebook where you have one document that you go back to and add drawings uh, is is a wonderful idea because it is by drawing that you really see an object. And you could use this journaling approach, notebook approach for older children as well, couldn't you? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, they would be much more proactive. I did a great program when I was in Lynchburg at uh, the Mayer Museum, and we had these nature notebooks. And they I believe that for that exhibit, there were these incredibly beautiful photographs of elephants in Africa. And so this was a great way to give them something aligned there. And they're not expensive, just a composition book with no lines. And uh, that would be something that they could keep and go back to. Right. And treasure it. So, and treasure it when they're older and show it to their children and grandchildren at some point. Right. Yes, hopefully uh, that would, yes, that would be it. So, so the other, I mean, in terms of nature and art, there are um, 
uh, in smaller communities, there are wonderful art museums and galleries. And then in a place like New York City, there are incredible museums that have, you know, I, I couldn't tell you what the percentage of art in the museum is directly related to the natural world, but it's very large percentage. So there's all kinds of wonderful things to see that artists have done since really the beginning of time as an inspiration. Well, hopefully we're coming into at least a, a temporary respite from the pandemic, but we're all aware that the COVID-19 pandemic has affected all of our lives. How has it affected the discussions and projects that you suggest between grandchildren and their grandparents? Well, unfortunately, it affected me personally by um, having COVID and also my grandson having COVID. So there were times when, like, when we couldn't see each other at all. But um, it hasn't um, been something that I've discussed with a three-year-old, and we get to the park as often as we can. So right now, it's more the our outdoor activity, because outdoor act- activity was never really something that you could not do. Um, has uh, we've been able to do that together, and that's made a huge difference. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you're looking forward to those moments with him, and it's even richer because you've been deprived of it for such a long time. How and where can we obtain more information about talking with grandchildren and organizing projects with them about art and nature? Well, I'm I'm going to be providing a list with the PDFs that Jerry's going to tell you about in terms of resources, but. Um, you know, YouTube is a wonderful source. I am a huge advocate for doing things with paper. I love paper. My work for 50 years has been on paper. So uh, there, I like making animals out of paper, not just drawing it, but having it, you know, working three-dimensional and dimensionally. And there are all kinds of wonderful um, resources online that can help you if you need to see somebody doing it. Um, also a lot of parks have wonderful educational programs and on their websites, they have ideas for activities. Um, there's North American Association of Environmental Educators, which is a fabulous resource. You don't even have to be a member to have, to have them send you a newsletter to get access to all of the resources that they have on their website. So I recommend that very highly as a wonderful um, source of ideas. In fact, one of the ideas I just got from them was that um, in May is the International Migrating Fish Day, and they're having a fish flag competition. And I think that's just a wonderful thing to focus on because most of us don't think about migrating fish. And it's a great activity you know, okay, let's make a fish flag. And even better to look at, at the, what the Japanese have done making fish flags. They're really, really beautiful objects. So there's lots out there. Well, our other guests, please ask Kristen Ryber Harris your questions and share your ideas about introducing grandchildren to nature through art and to art through nature. Dorothy in Scarsdale, New York, what are you thinking about talking with grandchildren about this topic? Well, one thing I'm wondering about is the nature of the materials that are used. I mean, I I like to draw and I'm pretty good at it, you know, drawing with, I actually took a class in botanical drawing last summer and we learned how to draw with um, colored pencils and with um, watercolors. And it's 
and having really good materials made a huge difference to me. So when I hear you say crayons, I just kind of cringe because my memory of crayons from when I was a kid is that they didn't actually, you know, result in really nice pictures. And so I'm wondering, you know, at what age is it appropriate to give children, you know, good materials like pastels and watercolors and, and black pens and that sort of thing? Well, you know, I, I'm kind of, I'm smiling when you're talking about crayons because I have spent years working with something I call expensive crayons because they are, but um, Karan Dash makes something called Neo Colors, which are beautifully saturated. They look like crayons. I mean, they're the same shape and wrapped in paper and everything. So there are materials that are as immediate and direct as working with crayons. I hear you, um, crayons, you know, haven't been the most uh, elegant tool to use to make art. But I think, um, because I certainly am very much in favor of grandparents supporting um, interests uh, financially. And um, so I would say that, uh, you know, the investment comes when you have, a, when you are satisfied that there is true interest and they're not going to be wasted. But it's really important to make sure that they're that they're not toxic and that's I just got my grandson some markers and I was real picky um because I hate the fumes of most markers anyway and I, yeah mm-hmm, yeah so you have grandchildren um Dorothy that are that are expressing real interest and you want to invest or you well I have a grandson who is in my view and his parents a brilliant child um and and he is um very interested in nature. He goes around and collects sticks and stones in his little basket. But unfortunately, he's he does not have much manual dexterity. Um, you know, his um, his idea of coloring and drawing is a little bit disappointing. So that's another question I'm thinking about when I hear you, because I think that, you know, sometimes when you draw a leaf and he draws a leaf, they 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 might not be at all similar, you know. Oh, I'm so glad you brought this up because I I made a little list of guidelines. And um, one is easy access to supplies. I remember where the drawer was in my kitchen as a kid that had the clay in it, but also to be totally non-judgmental in how you in your interaction with what they're doing. So that's not reasonable to think that a child is going to draw the same way an adult does, even if the adult doesn't have any experience as an artist. It's not realistic, but it's also not the point. The point is his creative expression. And obviously, the more he does it, you know, the better he gets at it. One thing I've seen on this, I follow this Facebook group for um, nature journalists. If you don't know it, you should follow it. I mean, it's just really full of amazing uh, drawing methods. Um, But one thing I've seen a number of people do is that they have parallel journals they keep with their kids, you know, so that the mother and the child both look at a leaf and they have their own journals that they, um, you know, record this in. And it can be I think the modeling can be a good thing for the child. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I I would say definitely have the grand do your own drawing while your grandchild is drawing. and. you know, but you don't, but this, you don't have to say this is how it really looks. 
you know, of course, and what you're doing can be better because that's not relevant and it's certainly not encouraging. Right, of course. But yeah, parallel journals, I think that's a great idea. Or I have, I've had my grandson draw in my notebook, you know, I mean, in my sketchbook. So it can, it can go both ways. Yeah, you're right. I did that too. When I was down in um, South Carolina with my grandson, it was right after I'd taken my botanical drawing class. So I had my materials down there and I had my notebook down there and, um, and I let him draw in the back of the journal, you know, so he drew a storm cloud and that sort of thing in my journal. And that was. Terrific. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think so. I love having, I love looking back at my journals now and or my notebooks, my sketchbooks and seeing you know, what my daughter, who's now 35, did when she was three in my notebook. Right. <laughs> right. Did you see any progression, by the way? Did you see any pattern developed, uh, Kristen, uh, from uh, the age of three to an adult, some similarities in style or focus or theme? Neither one of my children are artists. My daughter is an art historian and my son is an astronomer. So they, they whatever, you know, my, I was thrilled that they both got to grow up in my studio, but um, it didn't stick in terms of convincing them that, that it was something they wanted to do. And they're both smarter than I am. So, you know. <laughs> Everyone's smarter in their own way, I think. <laughs> you have to find your own <laughs> path, right? A steward in Wayne, New Jersey, you told our show's producer that you're involved with the Laurelwood Arboretum in Wayne. What is your experience with combining art and nature? Well, uh, yeah, so uh, laurelwoodarboretum.org is the uh, park's website. A thirty-acre park in Wayne, New Jersey. I'd encourage anyone who's listening to this podcast to visit because my wife and I spearheaded a um, to the creation of a sculpture trail, which is free and available. Uh, it takes about an hour to walk through, and there are uh, audio a tour along the way to learn about the pieces. So m- my goal was to meld. Um, art with nature because the arboretum is beautiful in its own right and the sculptures uh, complement it and um you know listening to some of the back and forth uh, between your guests um you know not everyone can create art but everyone can appreciate it and the appreciation of art in connection with nature and to see how it, one complements the other is um a lesson for all um, the creativity that you see and can explain to your grandchild as you walk through the park. Uh, everyone can walk through the park. Uh, we have golf carts there as well if you can't walk. And you can see how the sculptures uh, complement uh, the surrounding uh, environment or contrast with it. You can explain to your grandchild how the pieces are made. I have no art training whatsoever. And the creativity that you see, if you can appreciate it, 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 it bleeds over to your life, whatever you do. You know, the, the idea that you can take, you know, discarded pieces of metal and weld them together and, and create something that has a, um, an expression uh, that you can see and explain to your grandchild is, um, I think, terrific. And so... Uh, I don't care how, uh, you know, my grandchild uh, draws. I just like the fact that he might look at something and try to draw it. And um, I think this sculpture trail is a a wonderful opportunity uh, for people to do that. 
Um, I grew up uh, in Brooklyn, and I really appreciate nature because there was no nature essentially in Brooklyn except for like one or two parks that you, you know, if you were lucky enough, you would get to visit once, uh, you know, every couple of months. And when I was a young child, we, we, we spent them in the summers up in the Catskill Mountains of New York, and that really um, influenced me. Uh, and, and, and that's why I love uh, my involvement with Laura Wood. You know, I like it so much because it gives me an opportunity to appreciate nature and to help create, you know, a, a sculpture trail. Uh, it was quite an, an effort, and I think uh, I'd invite everyone to come up, and um, we'll have our curator give you a tour uh, and, and walk you around and tell you why he selected uh, various pieces for particular locations and how... Um, you can see uh, what inspired him. Stuart, can you explain from your own experience with your own grandchild or grandchildren, which parts of Laurel Wood and maybe other aspects of nature, other places that you've gone with them outside of the Arboretum, that they seem to uh, uh, be most drawn to, most inspired by? Sure. Um, there, The Arboretum has a defined trail. Uh, and the pieces, there are 14 of them currently at the park. And they're in various spots along the, the, the internal roadway of, of the Arboretum. The ones that seem to resonate the most um, there's, are the larger sculptures uh, that, you know, are, are juxtaposed against their backgrounds. Uh, there's one in particular called uh, Pi in the Sky. It's, this, it's the mathematical symbol Pi. And um, it, it glistens in the sun. It changes uh, depending upon which time of day you look at it. Uh, people seem to, and kids particularly, seem to gravitate to that because it's it's like mathematical and scientific principles, uh, you know, in a an artistic uh, form, um, and uh, they they seem to like that one the best. As well as um, there are two um, sort of uh, large scale Stonehenge like um, faces uh, visages that. Uh, made out of brick that are like uh, African-oriented, uh, that have religious sort of um, um, connotation to it, and there's a story behind it. So, so if something has a story that, you know, and you and you understand what the artist was trying to do, that particularly resonates with young kids. Um, we also had a family day uh, this past uh, spring where we had art educators uh, take children uh, out to particular sculptures, and you know, they did a lesson plan about the sculpture, had them draw, had them paint, had them create, try to create something out of clay. So that hands-on experience is also very popular. We're going to probably um, do it again uh, this time, uh, this spring and, and summer. So um, a story, uh, an explanation how the uh, piece is made uh, and how you can try to make one yourself, I, I, it resonates really well with young kids. So I think that uh, Kristen had mentioned this earlier on, too, that storytelling is a very important stimulus to children and adults of all ages, actually, in generating their art and, and their appreciation for nature and their surroundings. I, I would agree. And, I, I, you know, I'm, I, I nef I've never made art in my life. Uh, I, I have no skill in that area, but I really do appreciate it. And, and what you can instill in your grandchildren 
is that if you appreciate art, it will help you in whatever you decide to do in life. And more importantly, perhaps, it will support uh, those people who create it. You know, artists need to make a living and earn a living. Um, and, you know, you can help them do that. And by doing that, by buying art, uh, by appreciating it, by going to their events, um, you, uh, you help your community. I, I read, I was up in New York State at a local uh, uh, art alliance, and I overheard a conversation by the curator, which is really true. Um, it, it, you know, art, um, when it's appreciated, it can, re it, it can rejuvenate uh, urban areas. Uh, and for every dollar that is spent on art in like an area that has been devoted to arts, uh, uh, like Wynwood Gardens, uh, uh, Wynwood Walls, I think it's called, in Miami and other areas like that, for every dollar that is spent on art, uh, $9 is spent on the restaurants and the businesses that's, that are there in that area. And so that that's, uh, I mean, it's maybe it's a sophisticated concept to instill in your grandchildren, you know, but if you support art, it, it, it really helps the community in a lot of different ways that you might not think as a young kid. But as you get older and see what neighborhoods have been downtrodden that get rejuvenated, it's largely because of art. Uh, Jill in Lynchburg, Virginia, can you please share your questions and your ideas? Uh, yes, I am a very new grandma. Uh, my first grandchild is only two months old. So obviously, um, we have not had any art experiences together yet, but I'm looking forward to sharing art with him. I am an artist. A lot of my work is nature-based, and I have done a lot of teaching of art to children um, through art camps and Girl Scouts and artist and education residencies. So I'm really looking forward to um, sharing art and nature with my grandson. And I also love camping. So I'm looking forward to camping with him. And I love Kristen's idea of the book with an actual leaf draw, uh, taped in and then ability to draw next to it. And I think it's really important to reiterate what Kristen said about not having any expectations of the quote unquote quality of the drawing that the child makes, but just rejoice in the mark making. Um, so if Kristen has any suggestions for what other sort of things to put into a nature sampler, in essence, that would be wonderful. Kristen, do you have any more suggestions about the Nature Notebook? Jill and I are dear friends. We've known each other for years, and she has a pile of sticks and rocks in her house, just like <laughs> I do, and I wish they could go in the notebook, too. But that's not realistic, but you could do tracings of the stick, or you could do a drawing of, of rocks. Unfortunately for the journal, it needs to be something that's flat, but that doesn't mean that it can't also be collecting images we all get mail that gets put in recycling that has photographs of natural objects and i just want to i'm going to interject because i want to i want to stand up for my neighborhood in brooklyn there mother nature is well and thriving here i'm sure when 
Is it Stuart? Was a little boy, it may have been different, but there are wonderful, incredible parks. In I'm in Bay Ridge, and the street trees are truly amazing. And the city has a street tree map, and I can go in and identify any tree by location and get information about it. So Mother Nature is everywhere, even if it's two square inches of dirt. Jean in Moscow, Idaho, thank you for joining us. Would you like to add something to our conversation? I, I've i had a question formulating here, listening to all of you talk, and that is, Kristen, I've been following you, just kind of keeping an eye on you for a long time, and I know that for quite a while, it seemed like you were really emphasizing online things, uh, computer programming for kids. Now, correct me if I'm going off, if, if this isn't true, but it seemed like you were for quite a while working on projects that children had to, you know, that they would work with online. And I've noticed that more recently, your your artwork is very direct between you and your materials and your paper, usually. So I wonder if you have any thoughts about this conundrum that we have with the our, our grandchildren who've grown with, you know, they're born with cell phones in their hands. <laughs> and me as uh, the grandparent now, I, I, I have a continual frustration with technology. I, I admire you so much because I think you've jumped on the bandwagon early and it doesn't give you that much trouble. But I wonder if you have anything to say about online art activities, production uh, versus the directness that you I also see in your work now, especially. Well, thank you for asking that question, because I one of the things that I intend to emphasize in this conversation today is using iPads for making art and also for animation. And partially because it's really fun. And it's also something that, as we all know, is easier for the children in a way because they've grown up with it. But there are some incredible apps for teaching kids animation that are very accessible. I mean, in my years of doing workshops, I sort of determined that by the time kids were seven or eight, as much as one can generalize, they could understand the concept of sequential imaging, meaning you're doing this series of drawings and they need to change a little bit over each one over time in order to create an animation. But it really, talking about animation, just not even doing it in all of the aspects of eye science and how can, why do we see um, sequential images as, as a single moving and then the act of creating it. Um, and in the workshops, I have a blog, I'll put a link to some of the workshops I've done with kids where we go out in the woods and then you come back into the workshop at the art center or nature center and you animate meaning you make a series of drawings that talk about, that tell a story about some creature that you saw. And um, it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful way to have balance. Um, I think, obviously, I think both are, are really important. I did develop and produce apps for a while. Now, my situation has changed in that I left my connections for teaching and have been really involved in my own work. But I, I think taking advantage of children's natural inclination to use these wonderful devices and the tools that are available lets them 
make a story. And and for for me, this is Jill. Um, I am not prone to wanting to do any animation because of it involving iPads and computers. But apps that I would definitely use with my grandchildren are the ones that you use to identify plants, uh, like Seek. And I can't think of what the other ones are. So that when you're out with them, you can go, and when they ask, what is that plant? And I don't know, um, you know, use an app to identify plants or butterflies and things would be how I would use technology. Um, but I am, I'm not comfortable with uh, the different apps for doing animations. So I would kind of have to rely on somebody else to help with that. I'm much more hands-on and drawing or painting is, would be in my wheelhouse. And this is Dorothy of Scarsdale. I, um, I'm fascinated by this talk about iPads. Um, twice now it's come to my attention that young people use iPads to do drawing. They use, I think they use a program called Procreate maybe. And I've seen both on the Facebook uh, Nature Journal page, um, and as well as my daughter has told me that that her generation sketches on iPads, which is um, hard for me to understand how that might be. But certainly the pictures I've seen have been extraordinary. So I think it is something that maybe us grandmothers should learn something about. That's an excellent suggestion, Dorothy. Do any of the uh, grandparent guests have any questions or comments on anything the other grandparent guests have said in this discussion? I guess I have a, a natural skepticism, which I'm not proud of, but uh, of seeing how how children watch television, for example, or really create they watch an animation. And I suppose that this idea of learning something about it with them probably be very good for me <laughs> because my tendency is to think, oh, come on, you don't need another hour of this. <laughs> Jean, I think that's a good point. Uh, my daughter um, does not let her children have any screen time. So therefore, any kind of YouTube or that sort of thing is not going to work. You know, it's going to have to be in real life. And frankly, experiencing nature, the best way to do it is... Uh, yeah, but you you have to realize that you might be doing them a disservice by not allowing them to have access to something they're going to be dealing with their whole lives. So, I mean, I, I certainly think that's a great idea, depending on the ages of her children, but um, it's something she probably couldn't sustain. However, yeah, I think also just the fact that they'll be grounded in something um, that probably most children won't be grounded in, which is, you know, having to deal with the world not through a screen here for a while. That'll be a very interesting experiment on her part. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as they get older, they will um, experience more screens. And I do feel that they are being, being deprived of some cultural experiences by not being allowed to say, watch a concert or that sort of thing. But I have to tell you, the results are extraordinary. I mean, to see the children playing with each other apart from any screens is very different from what you see around here in Scarsdale. What do you have to say about that, Kristen? I want to hear your thoughts. I think that uh, it's important to be up with what's happening now. And I'm sure it's possible to control screen time at home, but you know that they're getting it at school because it's such a valuable tool in education. So um, I think it's just a matter of finding balance because I think it's sticking your head in the dirt to think that this isn't a wonderful tool that we need to 
that we need to take advantage of, but not let rule us. And and I think there's a, a big difference between learning how to animate and create for a screen instead of just blankly sitting in the screen being a receptor. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, yeah, so, sure. so I, you know, I can see the absolute benefits of learning procreate and drawing or sketching on an iPad or computer. It just that does not interest me at all. And I, I work in an art supply store part-time, and I'm shocked when college-age students come in and all of their artwork has been done on computers, and they're really nervous about, I've never held a paintbrush before. I've never touched you know, paint. And so for me, it's such a physical act and, and the sensuousness of paint and ha- getting it on your hands and, and working with it to me is 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 critical and and for little kids who are sensory creatures um touching and holding and molding to me is absolutely critical and obviously it is age dependent you know a 3 year old's uh, art experience is going to be very different from a middle schooler's and but I would always want any age child to have experience with physically holding and manipulating art supplies. Yeah, and making marks. And making marks, lots of marks. And making Yes, <laughs> lots of marks, but hopefully not on the wall. Yes. <laughs> Could all of you comment on your experience with access to these art supplies? Uh, many of us live in communities where they're readily available uh, to children of all ages, but not everyone lives in that kind of a community. What can grandparents do with their grandchildren where they don't have ready access to paints and canvases and easels and, and other types of uh, supplies that you would find in a nice art store uh, in a more affluent area? Well, you know, there's nothing better for me than going into an art store and seeing all the supplies. I was down in Savannah, Georgia, and there, there there's an art school down there. And I was I went in the art store. I was just delighted, you know, to be surrounded by all these materials. I adore them. However, I will say that, you know, the woman who taught me the botanical drawing class, she she has a website where you can order art supplies. And I see on the on the Nature Journal page on Facebook that there are a lot of places to order these these from online. So so even if you don't they live in a town that has an art supply store, I think they're easily come by. And I yes, there are, you can get just about anything online. And and I think the other thing is you have to consider people's budgets, and you don't have to have fancy art supplies in order to do mark making and art with children. You know, if you have, as Kristen said paper from the recycle bin and a pencil, you can do amazing things with learning about nature by sketching or uh, making rubbings of things with with crayons. Um, You know, yeah. Yeah, rubbings, rubbings of bark and stuff. Yeah, they're great things to do with rubbings. I'm a big believer that you can basically take almost anything and make art out of it. (laughs) For example, (laughs) I've always had a hard time pitching out favorite dishes that might break. So I basically have a place in my yard where anything that breaks gets thrown into that path. And then I've had a lot of fun. I, I also go to a secondhand stores around here sometimes and I'll buy a plates because they're cheap. I feel kind of bad sometimes because I'll buy a yellow plate and then I just come home and put it under canvas and bash it up with my hammer. And I've done, um, I've done some bird baths and I've, 
held little classes where I, I teach art camps as well. Um, where the kids will make mosaics and, uh, you know, or, or garden step stools. I mean, there's, there's, uh, I, I mean, there's so many things that you can do if you just start looking around and have your, have your grandchildren say, Hey, here's some seeds on the ground, you know, there's from this chestnut tree. Could we do something with that? Maybe come home and find some way to drill holes in it and make a squirrel necklace. I, I think because I started or, teaching or glue it to paper or glue it yeah. to paper and make a, make a design, make a mosaic of stuff you found on a walk. I also have one other thing to stick in here. I have a studio, which is now because we all get excited when we're buying supplies. I think <laughs> now I feel like I have two, I can't use up all the supplies I have if I had two more lifetimes. So it's a question of trying to you know, give some things away, offer them to our teachers or maybe sell some things uh, if you know they're valuable and you don't care like giving them away. But I have known um, a lot of people who get so much joy out of purchasing things and then having them and never using them. So well, I that's think true. That's it's like, it's like all those knitters who have all those balls and balls of yarn. But, you know, I think that it's sort of scandalous how poor art supplies can be in public schools. And, you know, they just don't have good supplies in some of them. And so that would be a good place to give these extra supplies if possible. Sure. Yeah. Excellent. Have any of you had experience in creating color from natural objects and from natural uh, plants and, and what you find uh, in the real world? Like making natural. charcoal. Take some, uh, go out to your burn barrel or when you're camping, get some sticks and just burn them down, you know, till they're not dark anymore. I mean, uh, burn them till they're little burnt embers and then uh, show your kids how you can make marks with that. It's like charcoal. It's maybe look up a little bit about how the um, Chinese valued precious ink so much and they were the various things they would make it out of like bones and so uh that's been one of my favorites is to have the kids help make their own charcoal <laughs> yeah and there are definitely um things you know flowers and plants in nature that you can use to make colors with and i think that's an incredible idea jerry i love that idea when i was when i was little i thought it was cool to um to make um colored eggs by wrapping hard-boiled eggs in onion skins and tying them in, you know, paper and then, and then string and boiling them and, and the eggs would come out, you know, looking like ovoid onions. And so that's the only kind of experience I can remember actually doing it myself. And I do both eco-printing and nature printing. So with nature printing, you take the actual leaf and roll ink on it and then press the ink side down onto paper or fabric. I also do eco printing, which is where you take leaves, put them on fabric or paper, and then simmer it for, you know, two hours or something. And the pigment in the leaves transfers to the fabric or paper. Um, so I do both of those, which with supervision can be done with children, uh, you know, finding various windfall leaves and taking paper or fabric or a t-shirt and layering it up and then obviously the supervision comes in during the boiling process <laughs> like with like with the easter eggs um but that's a wonderful way to get imagery onto fabric and paper you're reminding me that i think 
printmaking, pulling prints is one of the most fascinating things for the kids if they've never done it, which most have never done. And Kristen, I, I think, have you done some print? Have you done printmaking with kids? Um, I think I, I think in Lynchburg, I think I did do some woodcuts with kids. But I mean, there's potato prints. There's a million ways that you can um, create relief um, prints to to work with kids that doesn't involve sharp knives and pieces of wood. I gave a demonstration at um, the Round Hill Appalachian Trail Festival uh, this last September, which was related to uh, nature printing, and the kids loved it um, that got to do it. And so it was a multiple uh, printing process because I had them ink a leaf and print it and then print a base for the leaf to go on. But it was, um, you know, the youngest was, I think she was five years old and she really got into it. Um, so printing, and I'm a printmaker, um, and the nature printing aspect can be done with any age child, whereas, as Kristen says, with wood and linoleum and sharp tools, um, that's not as accessible for little kids. And also, probably for most grandparents, because that would be an investment in um, tools and printing plates, whereas if you do nature printing, you need the ink and, you know, a way to apply the ink. And, and so it's really quite accessible to all ages of children and a variety of uh, financial budgets. So Stuart, you said you haven't done any artwork, but are you getting kind of excited now? Got a couple of ideas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I wish I had the skills, uh, you know, but uh, uh, my wife is uh, an excellent artist uh, and my uh, eldest uh, grandson um you know i think has that some a lot of talent from what i'm seeing and uh i enjoy that i hang his pictures up in my office and and try to encourage him uh to continue to do things like that and i that's i you know that's where i see my uh contribution is to be a cheerleader uh to encourage anyone i know who's who expresses an interest in art to keep keep doing it and support artists uh, if you enjoy it. Boy, do we sure need people like you. So thank you. <laughs> yes, Stuart. Thank you. But, you know, you're talking to a bunch of art teachers who think that anybody can make art. So when you say I don't, you don't have the skill. I well, don't yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm, I'm, I think I'm very creative. I come from a family. I have a, one of my cousins is a very successful actor, a Hollywood actor. And, uh, you know, so we have that in our family where, where, um, you know, uh, people are creative. And uh, I, I take my creativity, you know, not in, uh, in drawing and, and in sculpting and, and things like that, but in uh, applying it uh, to problem solving, <laughs> if that makes any yeah, sense. Well, let me, take the, um, let me take the contrary view, because I can tell you that, um, first of all, to pick up on the basic insight that Kristen shared with us in the beginning, um, seeing nature is something you can do through drawing. To, to draw some natural object is to see it better. And I see this over and over again, both in the botanical drawings that I've done 
and in what I see with others doing botanical drawings. I mean, they don't really see what's inside a flower in terms of its reproductive system until they, until they draw it. And then when you said, you know, let others be creative, you know, nature drawing is not all that creative. You know, what it is, is you, you, you look at something and like, even if it's just a stick and, and you, or a stone, and you draw it. And the worst kind of drawings are those where people like, you know, they make it up out of their head what they think a flower should look like. But about if they're actually looking at the flower and drawing it, it will be pretty good, I think. I'd see. And I take a contrary view to that. Um, I think for people who are uncomfortable with drawing, the point isn't necessarily to make it realistic, but how does it make you feel? You know, is it the color that excites you? So get some color down. But I, I think when you try to go, if it's not realistic and perfect, it's no good. That can be unbelievably frustrating and discouraging when you're working with children. Because when I lead tours as a docent at the Mayor Museum in Lynchburg, when you ask a second grade class who's an artist, every child raises their hand. When you ask the same question of fifth graders, only two or three raise their hands because by that point they've they've decided that if their work doesn't look like an adult's work, it's no good and they're not an artist. Um, they've they've lost that joy of of mark making and being creative and and so I think that's why it's so important, as Kristen said, to not be judgmental when you look at the work and and when I work with kids and we're drawing. I'm like, well, what color is the tree's trunk? And, and I'm like, it doesn't have to be brown. It could be purple. It could be any color. Um, you know, pick what it is that you want. The point isn't to look like everybody else. The point is to make art that is you. Okay, well, I wasn't suggesting that. It's about that creative, creative expression. I wasn't suggesting that uh, when you sit and when Stuart looks at a, a stick and actually, you know, does something that looks kind of like the stick, that it has to be perfect. And I wasn't saying there's only one way for it to look. I was just saying that you can be, you know, a wonderful artist if you just look at things and draw them as you see them. And obviously, they're all going to be different, you know. I, I think it comes around to a foundational thing Kristen's mentioned, which is, you know, um, expression and then mark making. Just the mark making itself gives a child such wonder. I think sometimes taking things and making their own out of it, making their lines or their smears of color, whatever. I think that's the enchantment that I enjoy or hope to enjoy with my granddaughter as she grows older. Yeah, it's about creative expression and validation. I am here. I made a mark. And if you look back at the at the rock drawings from, you know, X number of millions of years ago, I'm not getting the right numbers, but making marks is part of what being a human is all about. Here, here. Well, I, I think that is a wonderful place to wrap it up for us. What a fabulous interchange discussion among all of you today. Uh, the takeaways from our discussion about introducing grandchildren to nature through art and to art through nature are, are so many, but I'll try to summarize them here. First, 
to encourage an uh, appreciation of art and nature, spend time with your grandchild, reveling in both of them, including visiting the Laurelwood Arboretum in Wayne, New Jersey, uh, or its website, laurelwoodarboretum.org, or better yet, both of those, uh, where you can find a sculpture trail and items on that sculpture trail that will appeal to each level of childhood of your grandchildren. Uh, You can explore creative materials with your grandchildren, You don't necessarily need expensive art materials for your grandkids or you to be creative. Use whatever is available in nature or otherwise in the real world. Recycled paper, rubbing crayons against stones. Guidelines that Kristen pointed out to us were making those supplies, whatever it is that you decide to use with your grandchildren, easily accessible to your grandchildren. They don't have to ask you for permission to use them. They know where they are in your home and in your yard. Encourage your children, your grandchildren to make marks as their art. It doesn't have to be perfect, technically competent. It needs just to express what they're feeling and what they're seeing, validating their expression as artists, however old they are or not. Be non-judgmental in your interaction with your grandchildren regarding art. Participate in the activity. Draw yourself while your grandchild draws or otherwise it creates art. Express what you and they feel. For example, you could create parallel journals or parallel nature notebooks for you and your grandchildren. Combine storytelling with art and nature in order to inspire and encourage your grandchildren to participate in these activities. For additional resources, you can go to YouTube and other online resources, including animation instruction videos, work with paper, 3D animals, parks and museums and libraries provide a lot of resources and materials and reference materials for you and your grandchildren to enjoy and revel in. The North American Association of Environmental Educators has materials and suggestions in this regard, uh, including their International Migratory Fish Day in May. (laughs) So you can create a fish flag with your grandchildren and find other additional resources that Kristen will supply to us on GrandCentralRadio.com. Thank you to our special guest, Kristen Ryber-Harris, and all of our callers and listeners. Watch for our announcements of our next Grand Central Radio Show. Our podcasts are posted to iTunes, iHeart, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Blueberry, Listen Notes, YouTube, and our secure website, GrandCentralRadio.com. Until then, please contact me, Jerry Cole, on our secure website, GrandCentralRadio.com, or contact our show's producer at info at GrandCentralRadio.com if you have questions or suggestions for us or any of our special guests. If you would like to participate in the recording of one or more of our future podcast episodes or if you suggest a sponsor of our shows or website. Stay well, safe, and secure and happy grandparenting! <laughs>